Golly, how about that, everybody? <laughs> what a way to welcome 2023 together and seeing that God meets us in all crafts, all forms, all different ways as we glorify his name. Amen? Okay, and so we are absolutely believing for exactly what the song was talking about today in talking about miracles in 2023. How many people believe that our God is a supernatural God and a God of miracles? The faith that we depend on, the fa that's, you can give God a hand clap for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yes. The faith that we build our entire lives on is the fact that God is a God of miracles. And as we go into the year 2023, that's what we're going to be focusing on, not only as a people here at Second City Church, but really with our global church community and global church family, every nation. All throughout the year, we have uh, missions, ministry, and gospel preaching that's going on, not just in the city of Chicago, but in this nation and the nations. And we get to join with our global church community in believing God for breakthroughs and seeing more souls saved, more people baptized, more people filled with his Holy Spirit, more people discipled, more people's lives transformed by the gospel of God. And that's what we're believing for when we talk about miracles. Amen. Okay, and so what we're doing today is we're starting this new series in conjunction with our global church family, and it's going to be called Miracles, Let Him Be Known. Miracles, Let Him Be Known. And so if you have a Bible today, we're going to be opening up to John chapter 2. And if I have not met you yet, I'm sorry, my name is Rollin. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm looking forward to getting to know you. Okay, so let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you so much for your good news to us today that you've given us your word, that you've given us your gospel that's transformed and shaped and changed each and every one of our lives. And God, regardless of where we find ourselves today, God, we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just as you worked miracles 2,000 years ago, Father, you're working miracles today as we look to you, as we trust in you, and we believe your good word to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, so... What we want to um, talk about today is this as a big idea, that the ultimate purpose of God's miracles among us is to reveal the glory of the Son of God. It's to reveal the, uh, the glory of the Son of God. Yet a concomitant, which means a corresponding secondary purpose, is to bless people. So whenever God works a miracle, he obviously is showing his glory. He's showing his power. He's showing his goodness. But he also similarly cares at the same time, right? And so it's not just about his glory. He also wants to show his care. And it's not just about his care. It's ultimately always about his glory. Now, our focus, though, it needs to be this, that our greatest problems can become our greatest opportunities to deepen our faith. Our greatest problems can ultimately become our greatest opportunities to deepen our faith. And we say that because of the fact that everybody is excited about the idea of miracles, but we're not so excited about the circumstances that necess necessitate miracles. How many people agree with that? We like the idea of miracles, but we are not always ready to welcome the circumstances that necessitate it. But as we go through this series, what we're doing is we're going to reframe the way we see our problems, and more importantly, how we can have a new posture to seek God in the midst of our problems. 
rather than going into a shell, rather than going MIA, rather than going into a state of depression. We're going to learn how to seek God in the midst of our problems, and the future is going to become a community of people who operate with a lens of faith in every circumstance that we encounter, to become a community of faith that responds with trust in every circumstance that we encounter. So if you have a Bible today, again, let's open to John chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. And it says this, On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, (laughs) what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, shh, do whatever he tells you. Isn't that like a mama? (laughs) Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him and his disciples believed him now if you think about the miracles of jesus and as we go through this series we're going to focus on seven miracles that were actually represented in the gospel of john and how jesus was revealing his glory in the midst of it but if you think about jesus starting his miracle ministry how many people know that probably this wouldn't be the choice that you have for his first miracle Actually, being at a wedding, them running out of drink, and then them saying, hey, Jesus, can you help out with the booze? Okay? (laughs) That's probably not the first miracle that you would think about. But the thing about Jesus is that Jesus was always responding in compassion to the problems that arose amongst his people. Jesus and his care and his concern, Jesus and his love and his compassion was meeting people right where they were to address the needs that they had in the moment. And in this situation, in this particular circumstance, Jesus coming from this small town of Nazareth is in Galilee and he's actually at this wedding feast in Cana and he's actually talking with these people and he comes with his own posse as the scripture said, right? Wherever Jesus shows up, people are going to automatically roll with Jesus. But this is probably a close family friend or at least neighbors that they were familiar with. We know that because whenever Jesus is instructed to help with the situation of the wine running out, Mary has the audacity to start giving instructions, right? She's like, listen, I'm not just a guest here. I'm going to help the situation. And the reason that it was such a dire situation is that back in the day, weddings were not just one-day events like they are here in our particular culture. Many times they were week-long events. They were week-long events, and people on different days showed up to celebrate the couple and participate in the event event that was going on. So you can imagine, though the 
guest or the host of the wedding actually probably had enough food, had enough drink at the beginning of the week. If people keep showing up, then eventually you're going to run dry, right? That actually happened at my wife and my wedding. We actually weren't serving strong drink, but we did have a lot of food, a lot of good food, a lot of Jamaican food, and it was great, but we did not know that the people we were inviting were all going to show up. And so we actually had over 300 people show up at our wedding, and we didn't get actually any of the Jamaican fruitcake that I've been waiting all my life to taste. <laughs> and by the time we finished with the greeting line, we were, I was like, where, where's our cake? <laughs> you know, and people were dancing and having a good time, and I was like, I'm going home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but the point is, in this particular situation, it would have been a social catastrophe. It would have been a social catastrophe for them to actually have people coming time after time, day after day, and have no drink to serve them. So to actually address this situation, Mary, the mother of Jesus, goes to the party officials and says, hey, Jesus can help this. I know you may not know who Jesus is yet, but I've gotten a word about who this son of God is supposed to be. You may not understand all the things that he can do. You may not understand all the ways that he can help. But I've gotten a word from his birth that he's a supernatural king who's coming to save this world. And so ultimately, whether you have problems large in your estimation or small, Jesus is able to help. Jesus is able to intervene. Jesus, even early in his ministry, used this as an opportunity to reveal his glory. And so what we learn about Jesus' nature and character is that, number one, he's able, and then, number two, he cares. And those are two important things if you're going to understand God as a miracle-working God, not just in everybody else's life, but in your life. He's, number one, able, and number two, he cares. He cares. He cares about things that are trivial enough so that even in the midst of a wedding banquet or a wedding feast, he's willing to be pulled upon. He's willing to be inconvenienced. He's willing to come to your aid and your rescue when you have no other recourse but him. Jesus is able to do something supernatural in your life if you would just come to him with humility and faith. In humility and faith. And so when we look at this, we look at the fact that Jesus actually had to set up things in such a way where he was going to reveal his glory, but four things were required of the people if they were going to experience that glory. Let's look at what the scripture said. Number one, when there was a problem that was in need of a miracle, when there was a problem in need of a miracle, if they wanted to experience the miracle, they had to bring the problem to Jesus. They had to bring the problem to Jesus. They had to bring the problem to Jesus. And I think I need to reiterate that again and again, because if you're anything like me, how many times have you had a problem before and done everything that you can in your own power and ability to fix it? Whether it be relational, whether it be financial, whether it be something in your own health, and then you ran out of options, but instead of going to God, you just mulled over the issue again and again and again. And you played out all the different scenarios of how it could work. And if you could just figure out one last key thing, 
then something would break and change, right? You're looking for the tipping point. The tipping point in your career. The tipping point in your romance. The tipping point in your child rearing. The tipping point. What else can I do? And instead of going to God with the issue, you're just mulling over in your own heart and mind, what can I do to fix it? What can I do to make it happen? But how many people know that in the development of God for you, he will bring you to the end of himself that he might reveal his glory to you? He will bring you to the end of yourself that he might reveal his glory to you. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. Because in the moment that you are at the end of yourself, you can actually understand God as who he is. A miracle-working God, if we learn how to bring our problems to him. Mary understood that. Mary understood that I can't fix this. The wine's gone. We have got to travel a distance of days. If this problem is going to be fixed, this social embarrassment is not going to be fixed unless Jesus intervenes. And so Mary, running out of options, turned to her son and said, I need your help. I need your help. They came to Jesus with the problems. We need to come to Jesus with our problems. But the question is, do we know where to go with problems when they arise? Do you know to go, where to go with problems when they arise? How do you handle your problems? How do you deal with your issues? Do you try to do it on your own? Do you do it with the wisdom of man and the latest, greatest self-help books? Or do you go to the one who can actually supernaturally intervene and turn what was lacking in your life into something that's overflowing? Turn something that was water supernaturally into wine? What we all need to learn to do in 2023 is go to Jesus with our problems. The second thing that we see here is that the problem required obedience. The problem required obedience. And Mary tells the servants when she comes to Jesus with the problem, she tells the servants to do whatever he says. They don't know that Jesus is actually the Messiah at this point. And since this is the first of his signs, they did not have a built-in expectation that a miracle was actually going to happen. Everybody get that? This was early in Jesus' ministry. This is before he gathered the public acclaim and fame that he would by driving out demons, healing the sick, and raising people from the dead. The servants were instructed to go to Jesus and just do what he said. They simply acted in the posture of submission. And sometimes, if we're going to experience a miracle from God, we must obey before we understand. We must obey before we understand. <laughs> and that's a tough one. Because especially in our information age, Everybody thinks they're an expert on everything just because they read about it on Google. Isn't that the truth? I'm telling you, it is fun to talk to young people today <laughs> because they tell me, talk to me about parenting. 
well, you know, it really, Rowan, if you, you know, did this a little bit differently with your daughters, then I think that, you know, they'd probably open up to you a little bit more. Yeah. Boy, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You've never changed a diaper, much less interacted with a teen other than yourself, right? Everybody thinks they're an expert, and therefore, when we're reading the Bible, all of a sudden, we're judging for ourselves whether we think God's commandments, not suggestions, but commandments are worthy to be obeyed before we actually do it. We actually are wise, as Proverbs talks about, in our own eyes. We're wise in our own eyes, and we're like, you know what? I know God can work a miracle, but does he need me to do this? Does he need me to actually forgive? Does he need me to actually give before I see breakthrough? Does he need me to actually humble myself before I'm actually exalted? A lot of times we're thinking to ourselves, I need to understand before I obey, but God said it's the opposite. He said, do what I said, and then you'll see the miracle. Do what I said, trust me, believe me that I've been faithful up to this point, and I'll be faithful again, but you need to trust me and obey me if you want to see the miracle. And so many people are talking about how God doesn't come through for them, and my question to them is, did you do what God said to do? Did you do what God said to do? Anybody put on a few pounds over the Christmas holiday? Anybody with me? Come on now. It's normal. That's why we're fasting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it is convenient. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> the point is, the point is, is that if you like to bake. Anybody like to bake in here? If you like to bake, you might mix it up in the kitchen a little bit. And I love cakes, but the thing about it is you need all the right ingredients for a good cake, do you not? And if you try to make a tasty, delicious cake, and you put in the ingredients of eggs, and you put in the ingredients of milk, but you have no flour. What you have are scrambled eggs, but they're not a cake. <laughs> if you put in flour and you put in the milk, but you don't put in the eggs, what you have is a hot mess, but you still don't have a cake. If you want a cake, you need to follow all the instructions and put all of the ingredients in in obedience to Betty Crocker so that you can actually get what it is that you're looking for. And in the same way, people need to stop in 2023 picking and choosing what they're going to obey in God's word if they expect to see a miracle. You will get a scrambled up life confused in your own faith. You will get a hot mess of disappointment, unjustified disappointment towards God. If you pick and choose what you're going to obey. But don't blame God when you don't get a cake. If you do not obey what he said. 
And not just some of it, but all of it. Some of you are looking for peace in your romantic life, but you haven't left the sexual morality that he told you to leave in the first place. Some of you are trying to overcome the sin of lust, but you keep watching things that feed it in your soul. He said, I will set my eyes on no vile thing, and in that way I'll be set free to actually live in the freedom he's called me to. When you obey everything that he said, not some of it, not part of it. I thought I was going to just talk about cakes. I almost said it right there. <laughs> you need to change what you're doing before you understand so that you might actually obey all of it and see him come up, perform a miracle in your life. Number three, the problem invited participation. We have to understand when we're talking about miracles that Jesus was the one performing the miracle. However, the servants were part of the process. The servants were part of the process. Everybody knows that? Couldn't Jesus have just spoken a word when Mary came to her, came to him rather, and said, hey, Jesus, we're out of wine. Could he just have said, hey, no, we're not. Take again. He could have said that, couldn't he? He could have changed it in an instant. But Jesus chose participation with the servants because he knew that the participation of the servants would help grow them in their belief and trust towards him even as they participated in the miracle they were believing for. And so often we want God to do everything himself and don't want us to participate in that which he's trying to do. How about this? How many people have friends or family members that they, or coworkers or friends that are believing to get saved this year? Come on down. Oh, okay. Okay, oh, hold on. Let me try that again. How many people have friends, family members, coworkers, neighbors that you're believing to get saved? One more time. How many of you have friends, family members, coworkers, and they're like, yeah, that you're believing to get saved? Thank you. <laughs> we all are. We all are. But wouldn't it be nice if Jesus did it all himself? If Jesus just opened up the heavens and spoke to them individually and said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall not perish, right? From the heavens. But what does God do when he wants to work even a miracle in our family members, friends, neighbors' lives? What does he do? He involves our participation in the process to change the water into wine. He says, you get the jars. You fill it to the brim, right? You fill it to the brim. And a lot of times what we see in the scripture is that water was analogous to the word of God. You be filled up to overflowing. You don't just have a passive obedience, but you have a radical obedience where it's spilling over in your life, right? Can you imagine them bringing the jars to Jesus? Jesus, I got some jars and some was spilling over on the ground around them. 
How many people have that type of pursuit of God? God, I'm going to pursue you in such a way that I'm overflowing in my life towards you. If I want a miracle, I'm living in the overflow. I'm going to get this word so deep down inside of me that I can't see, see, think about, or believe anything other than what you've said. How many people have their mama's words or their father's words going over and over again in your mind, for good or for ill? You know what I mean? And when you've grown up and you can hear them speaking to you in certain situations in your life. Because they've drilled home certain things that are of value to them. Certain things that they want to define you, right? But how many of us have that with God? So much of his word filling us, defining us, overflowing out of us that I can't hear anything otherwise. The circumstances might look different, but I can't think about, see, or even contemplate another result other than what God is able to do. He said, in participation, he said, I'm calling you to myself and calling you to actually come to a place of overflow. Can we not be a people of overflow in 2023? overflow where it's like, God, my participation is here. I'm giving you what I've got, little as it may seem. I know it's only water right now, but I know you're a supernatural, miracle-working God. You can turn this into wine. But I'm doing my part, God. I'm doing whatever you've told me to do. Not in part, but in whole. I'm hustling. Come on now. Anybody have a job in here? Good. Okay. But let me tell you something now. Everybody needs a little side hustle. You know what I'm talking about? People have dreams and desires. They're like, I want to get here. I want to be retired by the time I'm 35. Okay, brother. (laughs) Well, you better have a side hustle, right? If you have that type of dream, ambition, and goal, you can't just go through the motions, right? You've got to actually have a little side hustle to help the process along. How much more so with God? If you're believing for not just a rigmarole, but and actually just showing up Sunday after Sunday to sit here and listen, good as it is, but actually see your life change when you leave here. And miracles happen when you're in the workplace, when you're with your family, when you're with your friends. See Jesus break through. Come on now, how many people are going to have a side hustle with God? Say, God, I'm living in the overflow with you. God, I'm doing everything I can to give you what you need to work. It invites participation. Amen? Okay, I'm about to pass out, but it's good. (laughs) Number four. Number four. The problem not only had to be brought to Jesus. Number two, the problem not only required obedience. Number three, the problem not only invited participation. But number four, the problem ultimately led to belief. The problem led to belief. So many times we're scared of problems because we think that somehow our problems will damage our faith. Damage our walk with God, damage our trust in God. Anybody ever been there? Like you didn't even want to, you didn't even want to, if God was going to move through participation in your life, you were scared to lay hands on somebody because you were like, well, God said he can heal, but what if I pray for them and, do, and it doesn't happen? I, I won't even try. I won't even try because I'm scared that this problem might not lead to belief, but a lack of it. When Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I told you, just trust me. It's not your job to heal, it's mine. 
not your job to save, it's mine. It's not your job to perform the miracle, it's mine. I'm just telling you to get in the game. I'm just telling you to be a part of it. And what we see is ultimately, whenever this problem came to Jesus, it led to belief. When reading verse 11, we see something happened as a result of the sign that Jesus performed, turning the water into wine. The end result was that the disciples believed. The question is, <clears throat> how is it that when the miracle took place, the disciples believed? Did you see that in verse 11? He said when the miracle took place, it wasn't just everybody around, but it was the disciples who believed. The disciples. And what we'll see in the later parts of the miracles that Jesus performed, yes, there were times that unbelievers came to faith because of the miracles that Jesus performed, but in this, his first miracle, it was the disciples who believed. Now, that's curious because they at least had enough belief to be following Jesus as grown men at that time. You get that? You remember when Jesus was calling people? Jesus went up to the fishermen, big burly fishermen, and said, hey, listen, you want to drop those nets and follow me? I'm going to go this way. I was like, sure. <laughs> went to the tax collector's booth, said, hey, you're going to stop all that cheating and stealing. You're going to come follow me now. He's like, all right. Not only that, but then brought some friends so that they could meet Jesus too. So they at least had some belief at this point in the wedding, right? At least Nathaniel, right? At least those who rolled up with Jesus. But it said that when they saw the miracle, the disciples believed. If you find yourself a disciple in here today, that means you're already following Jesus to some extent. But do you know that he still wants to work miracles in your life to help you believe in ways that you don't now? And as we go through this series, they didn't just experience one miracle, they experienced several. Over the course of time, miracle after miracle after miracle. Let me tell you something. Has anybody ever been so content with the miracle that God gave you at, at one point in your life that you were like, whew, I'm so thankful, I'm going to be humble, and if that's all that I ever get, that's all. <laughs> that's, that's all. I'm just good to see God in glory. <laughs> Hold on now. <laughs> Is that what the Bible says? When he was talking to Nathaniel, he said, you believe because I said that I saw you sitting under the tree? You, you believe because of that? I'm telling you, you're going to see greater miracles than these, Nathaniel. You're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, talking about a messianic a messianic reference, right? Jacob's ladder. Jesus, the way to heaven. Jesus, the way to reconciliation with God. You'll see greater miracles than these, but I'm going to help you as a disciple to believe. I'm going to take you to a place greater than the faith that you have right now. And can we actually have the humility to say that we all need to go to a greater level of trust and faith in God? To actually see him not just know about him, but see him perform miracles just like he turned the water into wine on our behalf and on behalf of others for the sake of revealing his glory and showing his care to the world, bringing his salvation through the gospel. 
Can we all agree to that? This is what Jesus' end goal is. This is what Jesus' end game is. Then the question is, not only how is it that the disciples believed, because they were already disciples, but I can imagine that for them to follow Jesus up to that point, not only did they believe a a little, but it seems that there were levels of belief that they had not reached. And is it possible? The question is, is it possible to be around Jesus and even a follower of Jesus and still not fully believe him? Is it possible to be a follower of Jesus and still not fully believe him? That's a question for you. It was in this case. But because of the kindness of God, he performed a miracle in not just those around them, but the disciples believed. It may be that the very problems we want to avoid are the ones God uses to deepen our faith in Jesus. The very problems that you want to avoid are the ones that God uses to deepen your faith in Jesus. So you mean God can allow problems in my life? Hello? Mm -mm, uh Uh-oh. I thought God was my genie in the bottle. No, 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 my brother. (laughs) The question is, in what ways is God launching or teaching you to trust him more? Not through the good times, but through the challenges in your life. If we ask this question with the scripture in mind, we'll actually embrace the problems, not rejoice in them, but embrace the process that he's taking us through, through the issues, through the challenges, through the problems more. Do you know that suffering is part of the Christian life? Can we start that in 2023? Let's wave. (laughs) Suffering. (laughs) (laughs) But it produces character according to scripture. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. That's the place that God wants to bring you in 2023. So what's our point? The miracle here is not just turning water to wine, but turning hearts that doubt to hearts that believe. What if we begin to see our problems differently? And what if our greatest problems were our greatest opportunities to deepen our faith? What if our greatest problems were our greatest opportunities to deepen our faith. The question I want to ask you today is what problem, what's a problem that you're facing today that only Jesus can fix? Good way to start 2023. What's a problem that you're facing today that only Jesus can fix? Not lo- might not look like a problem to other people, might not seem like a problem of biblical proportions, as in the wedding at Cana. But two things we must maintain. God is able, 
and God cares. And so the question is, how are you going to meet Jesus today as a God of miracles? As a God of miracles in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word and that Jesus, you've shown us time and time again that you are a God of miracles. And we're asking you today, Lord Jesus, that wherever we find ourselves, whether it be in sin and far from you, or God, we are already disciples, near at the party, but need encouragement from you to believe your goodness and your grace towards us. God, we pray that you would help us all to bring our problems to you in 2023. God, we pray that you would help us to have the required obedience to your word that helps us address the problems that we bring to you. And God, we show you, we pray that you would help us to know how to participate by your word that we might find you in that place of miracles. God, we're asking that you would not only show your glory, but God, that you would really break through in people's lives. Places that people have been stuck. Places that people have been accustomed to or gotten used to. Father, the water that needs to become wine. God, we're asking that you would unearth those things again at the beginning of 2023. And the things that, God, people are just okay with now. But you say, it's, it's not the life that I've called you to. Holy Spirit, would you put your finger on those things today? That we might actually see as you see, hear as you hear, and believe the life that you want us to be called into. And I'm going to ask this to be a moment of reflection. As we go into 2023 together, the sense that I get are not just people who've come into this place desperate for God to move. There are some of you in here like that. But there are others who have been desperate for a long period of time. And because of the desperation, have gotten tired, have gotten weary, and have just become accustomed to the life that they're living, though it's in need of the miracle of God. I believe that at this moment, God wants to revive some hearts in here. And if that's you in here, you say, you know what? I've gotten tired. I've gotten weary. And I've just become accustomed to things that I shouldn't really be accustomed to, accustomed to, whether it be sin, whether it be habits, whether it be mental states. If that's you in here, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you that God would specifically break through in your life. Anyone else? God, it might not seem important to other people, but it is to you and it is to us. And God, we're praying that you would do a miracle today at the beginning of this year that supernaturally changed my brothers and sisters from the inside out 
and not just change them, but change their circumstances. God, I pray that before you change their circumstance, you would change their lens through which they interpret their circumstance, that they would see what you see and how you see, that at the end of the day, it might lead to belief and faith, trust in you. God, I pray that if there's sin, you would turn them by your kindness in repentance and free them today by your spirit. And God, I pray that at the end of the day, you would return to them the joy of their salvation. That Jesus, you lived perfectly. On that cross, you died for their sins sacrificially. And three days later, you were raised again, the greatest miracle of all, to give them not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in you. And God, I pray that it would be impressed upon their heart today, that they might have a new start, believing you as the God of miracles. For every heart, may they be lifted. For every soul, may they be freed. And show them how to participate they walk out of this place in full obedience to your word, that you might show yourself strong on their behalf. 